So we are um, in the middle of the series um, Catechism, um, where we are looking at the basics of Christian faith in our seasonal guide groups, um, which are kind of like our life groups. If you want to be a part of this community, a great way to get to know people is to join one of those. The details for those are on the back wall. Um, and, uh, and so um, this week has been around the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Um, and just wanted to start with any um, feedback from people in groups on anything that spoke to them or a thought that was particularly strong to you from this week's um, journey. This is the vulnerable moment where I stand here awaiting your response. Yes, Tommy. Um, something that, that actually you said, Scotty, was around uh, who of the Holy Spirit but then also who of Scripture. Um, around like, about Scripture being um, like a list of, of things and signs that we are to look for um, and something instead of necessarily just being um, things to avoid, but actually signs and wonders and, and um, good characteristics of things to look for. Um, yeah, and I thought that was just like really beautiful. Yeah, so one of the things we talked about was the idea that the Bible is not just a rule book, but it tells us who we're looking for when we look for Jesus. But we can look to the scriptures and go, ah, oh, that's who we're looking for. Um, and then we can equally know who we're not looking for. Um, yeah, anyone else from this week? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Hamish. Um, something I was thinking about actually on the back of our seasonal guide, um, of our seasonal guide group this week was just um, thinking about like the gifts of the Spirit and um, I guess the scriptures talking about the diversity in those giftings of the Spirit mm. and how we um, we all carry kind of different expressions of the Holy Spirit and I guess it just really affirmed to me I guess the uniqueness like God really values. Um, Diversity and uniqueness mm. as people. Yeah. Cool, cool, awesome. Can I get one more? Are you about to open your mouth? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you go just continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. Where's my tea? Um, <laughs> 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 um, I think one, one of the things we talked about a little bit was that um, sometimes it's been kind of intimated that the Holy Spirit. Or the evidence of the Holy Spirit is a particular feeling you may or may not get while you're in worship, and it can be kind of demoralizing if you're not one of those people who feels mm. that feeling. Mm. Whereas, you know, like it's, it's not particularly biblical, but it is an idea that's been out there quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. Okay, well, so what we're really doing here is um, the, the podcasts which we listen to for this are kind of our deep theology, our kind of head stuff, but mostly what we're doing with Sundays at the moment is speaking from the heart. So most of this is, um, is testimony, and um, that's what I'm going to do today, is kind of, I guess, share um, the Holy Spirit at work in my own life around some of these points. Um, so if you are someone who really craves the, like, Michi teaching, then um, I would go on to the podcast and, and have a listen there. Um, but hopefully you'll learn something here too. Um, so the three, um, the first thing we talked about is the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. Um, so Christ ascends, and then he leaves this gift of the Holy Spirit with us. So the Spirit is, there, is here to continue the work of Christ here on the earth in the followers of Jesus. So the Spirit lives within us. Paul calls us these temples. We are the new temples of God. The Spirit lives within us, and we are to continue the work of Christ here on the earth. And so three ideas we talked about in, in this week was firstly the Holy Spirit as advocate, comforter, and counselor. Advocate, comforter, and counselor. So John 14, 25 to 27, before Jesus goes, he says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So I want to major in on that, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. Now I talk about, on the podcast, my closest experience of this is I used to sometimes go down to the youth court with young people. And we'd go down, and, uh, and, and the youth court is a horrible place for young people. It basically kind of sets them up to be intimidated and to fail. And one thing that I could do in that space is I could come in with my good reputation, um, with my home address, and I could advocate on the behalf of our young people, and then they could be... Um, Rather than being locked up, they could be sent home to live with me. Um, and so essentially, where they didn't have credibility, I could be their credibility. Where they didn't have a home address, I could be their home address. Um, where they didn't have a leg to stand on, where they didn't have a good reputation, I could stand there and put on a suit for the day, and I could be their reputation. Ow, yes. Um, and um, no, not that good a suit. Um, and... Uh, and so this is kind of, for me, this really summarizes what the picture of an advocate is. You know, that Satan is actually called, Satan literally means the accuser, the accuser. So it says, the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. So Satan comes, the enemy comes to make accusations against us and to say we're worthless, to say we're useless, to say that we're unredeemed, that God doesn't love us, that this God is a horrible God who we have to earn our way to. And then an advocate comes in and says, no, 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 I will offer a defense. And that is the name given for the Holy Spirit. He says, no, that isn't truth. We're not buying into that bullshit. That is not who you are at all. Um, and so there's a great passage of this, I think, because the Holy Spirit continues the work of Jesus in the world, we look to the nature of Christ and we can see how the Holy Spirit is working too. And so in John 8, um, there was um, a, a huge party that used to happen in Jerusalem once a year called Passover. Um, and people would come from all the local regions and they would gather en masse in Jerusalem um, for this enormous party. And there was a combination of two things would happen at this. One, there was like no accommodation. So people would just set up tents everywhere, but there weren't enough tents. And uh, at the same time, they would like drink to excess. Like they would like basically set up a music festival in Jerusalem and then just get hammered drunk um, while making their offerings and, and all those kinds of things. So, you know, religion by day, party by night. Um, and, uh, and so what happens when you have a lot of alcohol and not enough lodgings is people end up crawling into each other's lodgings. Um, and so what we hear around this time is that this has gone on, some people have had a bit too much to drink, a woman has ended up in a tent with a guy who is not her husband. And the punishment for this at the time was, was stoning. Um, not music festival stoning, but the, the um, literal stone you to death stoning. And, and what would happen is that um, they, would, they would bring the woman, apparently the man didn't have to face up to it, but, but the woman had to face up to her crimes, and, um, and they, would, they would throw rocks at her until she was dead. And this was understood. Sorry? What about the man? That's what I said, not the man. Um, and, um, yeah, and there's a whole other talk we could do on that, right? Um, um, and so um, what happens on this one particular case in John 8 is that a woman has been pulled out into the streets um, and, um, and humiliated and thrown down into the dust and these group of, of religious officials have come up with these stones and they are ready to kill her. And then Jesus steps into the space between the accusers and the woman and he writes something in the dust. And we don't know what he writes, um, but um, actually I think it's Shane Claiborne says what he writes is, if, the, if this doesn't work, you'd better be ready to run. Um, but um, but he, he writes something in the dust, and, um, and, then he, and, then, and then he says to them, 
Any one of you who is without sin, throw the first stone. And, um, and all of these men leave one by one. And Jesus asks this cheeky question. He says, woman, where are your condemners? Where did they go? <laughs> <laughs> and, and off they head. And Jesus has stepped into that space, in the space of accusation, and he has been the advocate, he has been the comforter and the counsellor, and then he, he encourages her to walk in the ways of righteousness. He says, go and sin no more. And so this is the same work which the Spirit is continuing, is to stand in that space for the oppressed, for the broken, for those who need comfort, for those who are pained, and to say, no, God has said you're worthy. The accusations of the enemy will not stand here. We won't take that on. So that is what the Spirit is doing. Now, um, how I came to faith is, um, even though I've been to plenty of um, jump-around Pentecostal rallies and felt all the emotions Sam talked about before, um, where my journey of faith began uh, was that I was about 13 and I really, really didn't like myself. Um, I'd come to a place where I just, I just didn't really like much about me at all. And a lot of the people around me didn't seem to like much about me either. Um, and, um, and so what happened um, is I started hanging out with some people um, around, around our school. And I started to talk about Jesus. And um, one night I walked out the door of my house and um, I just began to talk. I was like, well, if there is a Jesus out there, then surely that Jesus right now hears me talking. And so for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours, I just walked around our suburb and, and, and I just wept and wept and I just told Jesus everything that was on my heart. Everything I didn't like about myself, everything I felt that was unacceptable about me in the world. And I was like, God, if you're there, hear this. And, and, and I heard nothing. But what I had was the sense was at a time when no one listened to me, I had never been listened to that well before in my life that I felt so profoundly heard in that moment, and that the Holy Spirit was there, the advocate, the comforter, and the counsellor, going, I know you can't see Jesus, but I hear as the eyes of Jesus, seeing your pain, hearing what you're saying, you know? And that for me, that was the earliest experience of the Holy Spirit, was the Spirit as, as, as advocate, as comforter, as counsellor, as getting in the way of the accusations I believed about myself and that others believed about me, and saying, it's not who you are. And I invite you to a greater life. So the Spirit comes near as advocate, comforter, and counsellor, and when no one understands us, the Spirit comes near. And so what we're going to do um, is after I've shared a couple more points is I actually want to invite the Holy Spirit to come tonight um, and to actually meet with us, because some of you right now will be hearing that and you're going, that's me, that's me. There's a lot of accusations rolling around my head, and I actually need that God you're talking about who says he is advocate comforter, counsellor. I need to be heard that way. I haven't been heard that way before. So I want to park that there for you. If you're feeling that now, like just let that burn away for the next 15 minutes and, um, and we'll come back to that. The second point we talked about was the Holy Spirit comes as transformer. Now in Acts 9, there's a story of a guy named Saul. And Saul was um, pretty much the most hard-out Christian killer in the world. Um, he was a devout Jewish official. He knew the law, he knew theology, philosophy, inside out. Um, and he had got a part of the agenda to kill the sect of Christians who were growing. So there is, um, earlier in Acts, there's the story of the first Christian who was killed for his faith, and he was actually stoned the way that a woman caught in adultery was going to be stoned. And he's by the name of Stephen, St. Stephen. And it says at the end of that passage, Paul was standing there watching and giving approval to that. 
So that's how like fully in on the whole killing Christians vibe he was. But we did a little passage earlier on, just to let us know Paul was there cheering and stoked to watch one of these guys snuff it. It's pretty full on, and yet we hear in Acts 9 that Paul is riding along this road, and suddenly he has this radical encounter with the Spirit of God, where this light comes, this voice booms, he, he finds himself blind, and two years later, he is traveling all around Europe and Asia Minor telling people to turn to Jesus. That's crazy, eh? A transformation occurs in him. No, it's not, that's not like a little bit of a like transformation, you know? It's like it's, I don't know, it's not like I used to eat budget brand wheat bits and now I buy the real thing. Like, but this is like actually that it totally changes his life. It turns his life upside down where he becomes the complete opposite. He becomes the person he wanted to kill. This is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, which we see at the, this early point in Acts. And, um, and I remember my, one of my first encounters with the Holy Spirit was a little while after that walk. I started hanging out at this youth group, and I got, along to, um, I got invited along to this camp, um, and it was a really charismatic Pentecostal camp. Like it was like, I remember it had this big banner on the wall, and it had a quote that just said, Unparalleled Revival. Like, <laughs> just like... And my favourite song from that camp, my favourite song, and it was an original, my favourite song from that camp, um, I'm, I'm going to sing it for you. Um, and, and it goes like this, I made a song before, but it goes, Crush him, the devil's head. I've drawn the line and I believe what Jesus said, that I'm crushing the devil's head. Do you know that one, bro? No, I It was, it was like, it was, it was, it was wild, right? Um, and, um, and so I'd met this Holy Spirit, who the advocate, the comforter, and the counselor, who heard me in a way that I'd never been heard before. Uh, but then one night, as we worshipping, I put my hands out, I think, as they told us to. And I felt a warmth and a power, and something come over me that I'd never experienced before in my life, um, where I suddenly felt this unexplainable light charge of something within me and I was I was weeping and I was full of joy I was just I was laughing and I was weeping and I was just overcome this Holy Spirit had come and met with me I think this is what they talk about in scriptures is is the baptism of the Spirit and the Spirit and from that moment actually I was transformed but suddenly I began to believe that I was lovable and that I actually had something to offer in the world and that there was a God who loved me and a God who was for me it actually changed my life and so the Holy Spirit comes as transformer, actually, and I know that for many of us, we are committed to places in our communities where we see slow and gradual change, and yes, there is slow and gradual change. You know, we do know that not everything happens instantly, but sometimes the Spirit turns up and sets people free in a moment. Sometimes. Sometimes something happens where the course of our life dramatically changes like a change for Paul. And I would say that if you are someone who has never had that kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit, that it actually does change your life to meet with God's Spirit in that way. It actually does. So I want to lay that there before you tonight as another invitation. There may be some of you here, we talked about in the podcast, that um, sometimes there can be this feeling where you've tried so hard to change. No, we all feel this. You know, we've all tried so hard to do better, to live better, to pray more. I don't know, to be a better son or a daughter. And I just feel like sometimes you can get to this point of just like, 
I just can't fix all of this. I cannot be all of this. I am incapable of changing this all myself. I cannot, I cannot. There's a beautiful passage, that same guy, Paul, who, who was there at the stoning of Stephen, in Romans 7, has this passage where he says, I want to do the right things, but I can't do them. And I commit to do the thing I don't want to do, and then I keep doing the thing I didn't want to do. And he goes round and round in circles. You can hear it sometimes in Romans 7 if you read it. It's kind of like he's spiraling as he's saying it. It's like, I just cannot get it right. And I think we've all felt that. We've all felt that futility, eh? Where it's like, oh, Lord, I want it to be different. I want to be different. But damn, I've tried. And I am, I am fresh out of ideas. And this is where we say, Holy Spirit, come and do in us the transformation we cannot do in ourselves. And, you know, often what we will want is an exterior transformation. You know, we'll want to be more charismatic or more likable. And what God will come and do is he will transform our hearts in a way that allows us to accept ourselves in a way we never could before. So sometimes he'll transform in a different way than what you expected him to. Um, but, um, but that is the Holy Spirit. It's the advocate. The Holy Spirit is the transformer. And finally, the Holy Spirit is the empowerer. So um, token point and um, token point and a message from me when I quote Luke 4.18. Jesus has come to proclaim good news to the poor, release for captives, recovery of sight for the blind, and liberty for those who are oppressed. Jesus comes to set the captives free. That's what he does. And the Holy Spirit is continuing the work in the world through the followers of Jesus of setting captives free, of restoring sight to the blind, of bringing the sons and daughters of God into freedom. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that Spirit lives within us. And so the Holy Spirit actually offers us these um, equipping or empowering gifts through which to bring about healing freedom, liberation, and transformation in the world. So in um, 1 Corinthians 12, we hear about these things. We hear about a gift of wisdom. We're able to have knowledge beyond our, beyond our own intellect. You know, you meet someone and they're kind of like, I don't know, they may be a young, a young person of faith, but they have this like old soulness, this wisdom to them. And you're just like, where did that come from? Like, kind of like, you know, you know that story where Jesus must be, I can't remember how old he is, but he's like seven or eight, and they, his parents leave him behind on the temple steps. Right, okay. It's like, I think that's worse than Home Alone, eh? Like, that's so bad. Like, um, anyway, so he's 12, he's sitting on the steps, and um, he just starts schooling all these theology ninjas. And so there's this, this thing, which is wisdom, this, this gift of the Spirit, which is wisdom. And then there's um, prophecy, um, which is a, um, a gift of, um, of, of words of encouragement um, or of words of correction where we have a really strong sense of what is right and wrong, and we are able to um, hear what God is saying and, and cut through a situation. Um, and then we have um, the gift of, of healing, um, where people are able to lay hands on people, and literally um, those, who are, um, those who have sickness are healed. Um, Jess actually shared a story of us seeing this happen the other week um, with a guy with Crohn's down south. Um, and um, and then um, there's also the gift of discerning of spirits. You know, some people have a real sensitivity when they walk into a room, they just know what's up, like spiritually, eh? Like they're the kind of people who can't watch horror movies. Like, um, and they just like walk into a room, they're like, this is not right, there's something else going on here. Um, and have this ability to know what is right 
or what is wrong, what is what is happening in that space. And then the final gift that it talks about is the gift of tongues, which is the speaking in other languages. If you've been around Blueprint for long enough, you've probably heard one of us babble like this. And then also um, a gift for um, interpreting that. And the reason that Paul gives for this gift is that it is to edify and build up the church, that these are heavenly languages which are given to people. And that can be quite a, a controversial one for people sometimes. Um, so these gifts are given, and those gifts are, are for that purpose of continuing the ministry of Jesus, the Luke 4.18, of um, binding up the brokenhearted, of releasing the captive, of recovery of sight for the blind, of liberty for the oppressed. They are not gifts. See, this is where I think we, some of us maybe are cynical around these gifts, and it's because what we've actually seen is that we get these really great gifts, and all we do is play with them with the family. You know? We're like, yeah! I have this magic trick. Let's get together and play magic together. But it's actually like it was meant for the liberation of the world. You know, we practice in here, but like, we live out there. And these gifts of the Spirit are given so that we can liberate captives in the world. That's why, you know? These are made to be shared. Now for me, um, I want to give a couple of stories here because it just might help some of you to... Um, recognize these things that work in your own lives. But um, for a little while, I was Anglican when I first came to faith. And um, then I went vineyard for a few years um, before I then came here and turned this place Anglican. Um, and, uh, <laughs> in a roundabout way. But um, we, um, going along to this vineyard church, um, they, I was there for about five years, and vin- um, Capital Vineyard, really enormous focus on the power and the gifts and the work of the Spirit. Um, and so I had seen um, during my life different people at different meetings, like a meeting like this, go, I think someone has like a, a broken foot. I think we need to pray for the broken foot. And then someone would be like, yep, that's me. And we pray for the broken foot, and sometimes the broken foot would be mended. Um, and so one night I'm at this, this Capital Vineyard meeting, and I just start getting this like punishing headache in the back of my head, which I'd never experienced a headache like that before. And then this little thought entered my head. I think this might be someone else's headache. I don't think it's mine. Um, and so I just rolled up and grabbed the mic and, um, and said, hey, I think there's someone here who's got like, I think it's like, I think it's chronic migraines. And um, I think God wants to pray for healing. And there was a girl at the church that night who had never been to church before in her life um, and had come for the first time to that service. And so we prayed for her. She received healing and then she received Jesus into her life. Um, and, um, and so for me, this is kind of how, how I saw this begin to unfold. But, but as you follow those giftings, I think like any, um, any gift, you learn how, um, you learn the voice of God better and you learn how to function in these spaces. Um, so just being up at Ihumato, um last, last week, and um, I start talking to this um, amazing lady who's um, you're occupying the space there and or protecting the space there. Um, and just as soon as we start talking, um, I get this big, like, stinging pain in my hip. And it's like, oh, no. Like, I'm so conscious, you know, going into this space. I'm like, don't be the weird Pākehā. Just don't. <laughs> just don't. Like, really don't, you know. I'm trying so hard not to be weird and not to stuff up. And then I'm like, just like, oh, no. Like... And, um, and so we started um, talking, and we ended up talking for about four hours, and she took me all around and, and basically um, told me a, a story of the place. And, um, and then at the end of it, I said, oh, can, can I ask you something? And she said, oh, yeah. I said, um, do you have, like, like, some pain in your right hip going on at the moment? She's like, yeah, I do. 
I think Jesus wants to heal that. Um, and so we pray together and that, that pain goes for her. Um, it's an incredibly like, special thing to be a part of um, and, and an incredible thing to go that there is absolutely no way that that comes from Scotty, um, but, um, but actually is something else, you know, and, and just felt so beautiful in the space of both pain and reconciliation that there was a moment of pain followed by a moment of reconciliation there. Um, actually, one of the, one of the other um, little um, prophetic moments up at the Martins, I, um, I, had a, I had a prophetic word for a cop, um, and, <laughs> and um, she, oh, like, they have like a little garage down the road, you kind of have to climb over a fence um, to get to it, um, and so I just, I just couldn't let, let go of it, and, um, and so I, I end up um, yeah, going past this fence and then kind of down the back and finding all these cops sitting in this garage. Um, and there's about seven or eight of them, and um, just go, oh, um, to this, this lady, I said, oh, can I talk to you? She said, oh, what about? I said, oh, I think Jesus has something to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I got to share with her what um, Jesus was saying, was that actually she had been given um, the, this rare gift to bring compassion um, into the heart of the police force at that place. Um, and um, it was super awkward. And I don't know if it was right, um, but it was a heck of a time. And, um, and, um, and this is, um, the, the point I'm making here is to, to show you how some of these things operate and how normally they operate, that it is not a grand moment, but it's actually a stepping into the awkward and stepping out into a space that you feel uncomfortable in. But why God is giving us these gifts is so that we would liberate captives. And so that we would bring freedom to people. And sometimes that ties into our other things here where we end up becoming the voice of the advocate or the voice of the comforter or the counsellor to someone, where we are able to step into that space. So three things I've talked about here. Holy Spirit is the advocate, the comforter, and the counsellor. Um, secondly, the Holy Spirit is the transformer who changes us when we, we can't possibly change ourselves. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the empowerer who, um, who gifts us in order that we would liberate captives. And so what I want us to do um, is I want us to wait on Holy Spirit um, together. And um, there may be a particular part of that that is sitting for you. There may be um, that you find yourself in a similar place to which I was at 13 and 14, <laughs> where you are desperate for this comforter and counsellor to come, where you want that God who listens to you. There may be some of you who are desperate for change and frustrated with your own futility. And there are others of you here who maybe you've been walking this journey for a while, but you're like, you know what? I actually want to see the real power of Jesus come. And I want to see real change. Like, yep, cool, I'm up for the long walks with people. Yes, I'm up for the long journeys. But sometimes, God, I believe you can break through and just change things. And I want to be a part of that. 